Welcome to the Alabaster Bible, an anthology short fiction podcast focused on gothic horror and magical realism. Please be warned that this podcast may address themes that are unsettling or triggering to some listeners. Content warnings will be provided before each episode, and listener discretion is advised. Today's episode is The Meat Line. This episode contains content warnings for elements of body horror, grotesque imagery, and discussions of murder. I now invite you to come in, make yourself at home, and listen to the tales of the Alabaster Bible. Once again, Eddie was back on the line in Lowtown. He didn't want to be there. Didn't want to be in that part of the Lowtown that always smelled like chemicals and blood. But he needed the work. Once again, the swift clop of the cleaver as he swung it into the joints between the flesh. Every time, a sudden jolt of resistance shook his hand as the blade sought the space. And then it broke free. Eight hours he'd been swinging the cleaver. Eight hours with another four to go before he was done for the night. Eyes burned raw in their sockets, too dry from staring at his work without blinking too much. The previous man on the station had been a big blinker. It cost him a thumb. His throat was parched. The foreman only allowed breaks for water on the hour, and asking for an exception was unthinkable. He needed the job. They all needed the job. You got into a rhythm with the work, a steady back and forth of the arm as you took cuts from the conveyor belt and moved them to your station, then a rise and fall of the hand holding the cleaver, and the work was done. The pieces went back on the conveyor and then on to the next station. Then it became someone else's problem what happened. One time, Eddie asked the floor boss, a woman named Shelley, why they didn't automate the line. It seemed like everything they did was simple enough that even the simplest automat could do the work. She laughed at him and told him that it was true, but he was cheaper. They were all cheaper. That was the bottom line. It cost less money to grab a few folks in the scabby part of town and toss the minimum their way than to run the line without the people. Probably the techs cost too much. Eddie didn't ask. It was okay enough. He got into a rhythm with the work. As long as he didn't get sloppy and careless and lose fingers. Because you'd signed a certain slip of paper that said those were anticipated occupational hazards. And you assumed full liability for those. Eddie knew what he was getting into. His last job as a roadside worker for the corporate municipality had been the same way. Eyes burned. Fingers slid dangerously close to the cuts of meat as they came off the conveyor. Hours dragged on. Nine, ten, eleven. And then his twelve was done and he was clocking out and Eddie was as free as he ever got. He walked to punch out and there was a glimpse of the foreman in his office. Eddie wasn't even sure what the man's name was, 
He spent his time on the computer, and Eddie had no idea what he did with it, probably trying to justify back to the court folks how they could save money by making everyone pull 13-hour shifts instead of 12s. That was just how they all thought. It might as well be a part of their DNA. Two trains and a bus later, Eddie was back in his apartment, an illegal sublet near enough to the train tracks that the freight rail kept him up at night. Near the water too, but not the nice part of the water. Near the stinking part of the river, where it always smelled like decay, and once or twice they had a body wash up when it got caught in the current. He used to walk down by the water, trying to pretend that the glistening slick of oil was anything other than a cancerous footnote in the neighborhood, but it got to the point where he couldn't stand the smell. He never seemed to get used to it like he did with work. The smell changed too much. One day it'd be chemicals dumped upriver, and the next it'd be some kind of bacteria that fed on the organic waste that was slowing in from the processing plants in Lowtown. Sooner or later, everything flowed back down here. Eddie stayed indoors mostly now, hiding in the apartment and watching videos online. He'd had a couple guys over to his place, a couple girls too, but that was back when he still worked the road for the corporate government. Folks heard that, and they figured you at least had a stable income. And that was true, until you got hurt, and suddenly you were out again. No one much wanted to come by now that he had a job at the plant. The smell carried over and permeated everything. The flesh smell. The smell of decay that hadn't started yet. It got into everything. There was nothing Eddie could do about it. So Eddie mostly stayed in by himself and spent his 12 hours off sitting in his underwear and trying not to think about the swift motion of the cleaver running into the cuts of meat. It was a losing battle. He couldn't not think about it. Staring at the same thing for so long, it started to get inside your head. Eventually, it became the thing you thought about the most, even when you didn't want to. It was all Eddie thought about now. He saw it when he closed his eyes, the same pale flesh in front of him, the same swift clop and the same rip as the last bit of gristle clung on as he pulled the two pieces away. There was something so familiar about the way it looked. Eddie looked down at his bare leg against the armchair he spent most of his time in, and he suddenly realized what it was he'd been cutting all these months. Eddie showed up early to work that evening and found Shelly. He had it in his mind to confront her, to let her know what he was thinking. He had no specific proof of it, but there was no denying the eerie familiarity of the cuts of meat that were sent down the line, the way everything was starting to come together in his mind, and no amount of cheap booze was going to be able to wash it away. She was in her tiny little office, nothing like the one the foreman got to spend his days in, going over a bunch of paperwork for the day's shift. Eddie asked her straight up. He didn't want to dance around. He just wanted to know whether or not the meat they cut up day in and day out was what he thought it was. He wanted to know if it was human flesh. Shelley laughed when he asked it, and she shook her head. Stop being silly, Eddie. 
That was what the body language said. Of course it's human flesh. You already know this. Everyone knows this. Eddie could feel his mouth dropping and the shaking starting in his knees and his stomach gave a little turn. How long had she known? How long had the others known? Shelly was trying not to laugh at him. She was trying so hard to be polite about this. She asked Eddie if he ever bothered to watch the news anymore. If he watched basically anything that wasn't mindless crap anymore. She didn't say it quite so rude, but the meaning was there. Eddie stammered and didn't answer. He didn't bother answering. Of course it was human flesh. The program had been going on for seven years now. Folks in the low town signed a contract and they got taken care of well enough for a while. And then they were humanely and painlessly euthanized and their remains sent to the processing plant right there in the place they'd called home. It was a completely legal and absolutely above-board process. Everyone knew about it. Every single person that came down that line had wanted to be there. They'd weighed the risks and the rewards and decided that living out the rest of their years like someone in the suburbs was worth the trade and shorter life expectancy. The lifespan for someone in the low town was only about 40 anyway. Between the pollution and the run-ins with the corporate folks, there was pretty much no way around it. Eddie felt his knees about to give, but Shelley wasn't joking with him. She shook her head. God, Eddie, how much do you drink these days? That was what she wanted to ask him. He knew that was what she wanted to ask him, but she kept her mouth shut because, at least on some level, she liked Eddie. At the very least, he was a good worker, and that meant something. What did the king think about this? That was what Eddie wanted to scream at her, but he knew better than to ask that kind of question. It was better to simply leave things alone. To simply keep doing your work and making your motions to the masks and letting everyone know that you were perfectly content with your life. The alternative was, well, it wasn't anything good. It was hard to stop thinking about everything while he was on the line. At the same time, it was amazing how quickly his stomach adjusted to the knowledge he now had. Or maybe it was knowledge that he'd always had. Something he'd forgotten. How did you forget something like that anyway? That seemed to be impossible, but Eddie couldn't imagine how something so major had escaped him. He forgot things sometimes. A lot of people did, especially in the low town. Especially in the last 10 years or so. Ever since the start of the decade, when everything had been so up in the air, a lot of people had forgotten back then, too. Assumed that things had always been the way they were now. After all, what difference did 10 or 50 or 1,000 years make at the end of the day? You went through, and you did your job, and you didn't ask any questions. And he kept up the steady pace. The rhythm of pulling the legs that had once belonged to the citizens of Low Town and driving the cleaver down into the joint. One leg became two pieces. No skin or feet, though. Eddie supposed that part had already been taken care of further up the line. Of course, it could have all been done by machines, but that would cost money. Money was important. Gold was important. Symbolic. 
but that felt like a bad thought to be having. So Eddie pushed it away and kept working, pulling and chopping, severed bone, old gristle. Water breaks on the hour, 15 minutes for lunch halfway, 12 hours and his shift would be done. Back home where he could stop thinking about this for a while. Four hours into the shift, something strange happened. A group of men in the masks showed up wanting to talk to Shelley. She shook her head a lot and looked angry. After a while, the men said something to her and then they left. Shelley looked afraid and Eddie wanted to go over and ask her what was wrong, but that felt like a bad idea. He kept to his pace, kept to the motion that his hands had become so used to over the last few years. It was the best way to get by. Eddie was getting off the train and coming home when he saw them, the men in the masks. He knew about them from before, thought he did anyway. He knew that they'd been a part of how everything was now and that it would be bad to look at or think about them too much. Rumors said that the man could read your mind if you looked at them, but Eddie didn't really believe that. He figured that they could read your heart. When he was back home, Eddie made sure the door was locked and all the blinds were down. He sat in his armchair on the laptop and watched videos he had queued up until his eyes grew heavy and he couldn't stay awake anymore. Eddie slept, and as he slept he dreamed of a place he'd been many times before. Everyone had these days. But of course, he forgot when he woke up. Except in the morning when he woke, there was still a memory of shadow parapets and deep passageways that whispered his name. It was faint, as memories of dreams are wont to be, but it was not a memory of a dream. The men in the mask were waiting outside when he left for work that evening. They didn't approach, but followed from a distance and kept watch. When he got to work, the floor boss, a person named Timothy, was already in their office and Eddie didn't bother to speak to them because they just didn't get along very well. Timothy had been the floor boss ever since Eddie had started at the plant, and they were at least fair. Not friendly, but fair. Eddie would much prefer talking to Timothy over the foreman, and much prefer talking to neither of them if he had any choice in the matter. So Eddie got back to the routine Back to the rhythm of pulling the skin legs off the conveyor and driving the cleaver down into the joint. The sound was soothing, almost. The knowledge of what he was doing became something that he buried all the way in the back of his mind. One of the men in the masks was watching from the edge of the floor. Eddie couldn't see him, but he was sure he was there. In a moment, Eddie knew what he had to do. He took the cleaver in his hand and ignored the pieces of meat coming down the line. He walked to the office of the foreman, ignoring the man in the mask who came out to meet him. He would take the cleaver and he would drive it down into the foreman's skull. He would feel a sudden resistance of the bone and he would drive through it, just like he'd done thousands of times before on the line. Eddie smiled to himself. Maybe the news would run a story about it. That wasn't true, 
They never ran stories about anything like this. Just updates from the king and information for the subjects to be aware of. Most of it didn't apply to the people in the low town anyway, so Eddie never paid much mind to it. He'd gotten all the way to the door when the man in the mask put his hand on Eddie's shoulder and spoke in a voice that Eddie couldn't quite make out. Eddie knew everything that the man in the mask wanted. His hands slackened and the cleaver clattered to the floor. Eddie smiled. Once again, Eddie was back on the line in the low town. He didn't want to be there. Didn't want to be in that part of the low town that always smelled like chemicals and blood. But it wasn't the worst thing. He was lucky. When he had his accident and lost his hand, it'd been his left. That was what happened when you lost focus. Sometimes they were accidents. They slowed him down, but he was okay. Eddie had figured out a system to get the cuts of meat off the conveyor and hold them steady. Another month and he'd had enough saved up for a prosthetic, and then he'd be almost as efficient as he'd been before. Even if he fell behind, the Enclave was always an option. He'd be given three meals a day and left to his own devices. And maybe he'd end up on that conveyor himself at the end of it, but Eddie knew he'd barely see 50 if he was lucky. That was how it was in the low town. For now, he'd keep working the line until he got too tired or too sloppy to do the work. Then Timothy, the line boss, would come out and they'd have a quick conversation with Eddie and he'd leave without making a fuss. Better to not disturb the foreman, after all. If the foreman had to come out of his office, then Eddie would have worse things to look forward to than being fired or ending up as the product that he helped prepare. It was all fine at the end of the day. Not pleasant, but nothing anyone had to do was pleasant. After all, he needed the work. Without another thought, Eddie positioned the cleaver and brought it down, seeking that space between the joints. My esteemed listener, thank you once again for hearing me out. I would hope by now that you've discovered that myself and my fellows don't necessarily tell what we've seen. Sometimes, we might tell you about what we've yet to see, or what we might see, if the circumstances are right. It is a product of how I move through the world that I am cursed not to perceive anything simply as it is, but as a combination of past, present, and future that is ever-shifting and illusory. In truth, it is not something I would wish on anyone. Better to simply perceive one version of what is. Better to simply live one's life without having to consider all of what could be. But I see that you've decided that there's no truth in that platitude. That maybe there's more to the world. And maybe there's some value in hearing me out. Thank you for listening. This podcast wouldn't be possible without your support. And I want you to know that I appreciate each and every one of you. If you like our work, please 
leave a comment or review. You can follow us on Twitter at Alabaster Bible or reach us by email at thealabasterbible at gmail.com. This podcast is written and produced by Janiah Riley. Narration for this episode was provided by Janiah Riley and the theme song was composed by Funk McLovin. We hope to see you next time and remember to watch yourself out there. You never know what's watching back.